Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. We are back to talk more rugby. No Connacht this week for us to talk about. Other provinces in action, though, and plenty still to cover. Uh, incredible games to cover, in fact. But uh, before we get stuck into all that, we'll always, as always, check in with the boys. Sam, how are you? How was your weekend? Did you enjoy the good weather? Tried to, yeah, busy out. Um, I had the baby on my own for the weekend. The girlfriend's off work and it's a busy time of year for her. And it was the baby's birthday, so kind of just tipped around yesterday, putting together swing sets and sand tables. And then went actually went and met Wesley in town for some lunch and had some pancakes. And I got to eat like most of my own pancakes. I had to give a bit away to the baby. But yeah, all in all, nice old weekend, good, good weather. Hoping the weather stays just another day. I'm supposed to play golf tomorrow evening. So one more day of good weather will do me fine. Yeah, you, you you were on the WhatsApp saying that well, what did it, it was supposed to take you two two people in two hours to construct something, and you you guaranteed a forty five minute construction time. How'd that go? I got most of it done in about twenty five minutes. Then I went into town and met Westy for lunch, and then got back and put the rest of it together very slowly whilst watching the Man, uh, Man City match. So it it was under the two hours, and it was on my own. So I was, I was fairly proud of myself. Congrats, congrats! But I did. I upgraded the stupid little. Uh, wrench that they give you that just cuts your hand open i just went and got a socket wrench from upstairs and that just sped the whole thing up instead of using this little tiny allen key and wrench thing that comes with the pack just use actual tools so you cheated you cheated i was innovative i also want to raise the point that sam just admitted to watching the man city match instead of the sales sharks um wrestling 92 match so which totally we, ruins his credibility what are we even doing here rookie, guys, you know yeah yeah as a rugby journalist that you are, Sam, uh, totally <laughs> ruins your credibility, man. Uh, but you might get a job with some big newspapers now. That's no, I tried that. I went to DIT. I studied journalism. I was supposed to do it for four years, and I got about a month and a half in. When I was leaving, the course head was like, why, why are you even here? Like, You clearly don't want to be a journalist. All the rest of your classmates are like submitting things to the newspapers. And I was like, well... I didn't get primary school teaching and I thought maybe free tickets to games would be all right. And he just like, shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> For all the right reasons, you're in that course. Uh, Westy, how are you? How was your weekend? Um, my weekend's really good. Um, I was down in Ballina during a week and back up. Been in the sea a couple of times out enjoying the weather. Played some tennis, some runs. Um, and I want to continue my uh, brunch references by saying I had a delightful brunch in Ardbea, uh in down by the Spanish Arch on Saturday morning. It was top drawer. Is that with Sam or is that a different person? No, no. That, was, that was with Sam. Oh, Wouldn't right. I, Sam thought, I, thought you were, I thought you were referencing Sam's, you well, and Sam's project. Sam's happy no. with pancakes, you know. Oh, yeah. you. We went to Pascal's. What did you get in our beer then, Westy, if you're not in uh, pancakes? I got the honey ham and poached eggs on sourdough bread. Oh, uh, that sounds, like, sounds um, incredible. Just, that was outstanding. That is, yeah, Arbia, if you're listening, sponsor us. Uh, just give us free uh, honey, hand, whatever the hell Wes just said. And we'll, we'll take that. No yeah. problem at all. Wes is a man of such great taste. I do think that he should He should do a brunch segment. We should we should challenge him, go different brunches each week. He's got Arbia, he had Della, he had Pascal's with me today, and it was delightful. Uh, we went to the secret Pascal's that I didn't know about. There was the- I only saw that recently myself. Yeah. And it was empty. Why? The other one had a cube that, out the door. Yeah. Like. Well, it's it's not visible unless you look in the right area. So no wonder it's not busy. Uh, but yeah, Della Restaurant actually gave us a shout out after Westy references in one podcast because one of their chefs listens to us. So uh, if you're listening today, uh, Chef Adela, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. 
Uh, thank um, you for that. Wonder, and if anyone listens who works in Ardbia, also give us a shout out. So we appreciate it. I wonder, is it the same chef? I used to work in the Oris, the, the Irish-speaking bar on Downing Street. And one of the chefs from Della was in one day. And I was chatting to him and I just said, oh, look here, I love the brunch. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it can be tiring, though, because it's so busy. And I said, yeah, it's always like queue out the door. He said some weekends he could be making four or five hundred poached eggs in a weekend. Like mental. Poor chickens. Um, right. I, I had a good weekend. I was home. I was playing golf, got severely sunburned. Uh, but it's, you know, short term pain for some long term bronze gains. Uh, I, I have a communion next weekend. Everyone's going to be complimenting me on my tan. Um, and so what I risked a little bit of skin cancer it's all good it's all good uh, but yeah uh, no one really cares about that I think people do enjoy our, our personable segments here guys uh, and Wesley yeah Wesley's brunch segment could be a, a brunch segment could be a one for the future Wesley so could be expensive for you Wesley going to all these different places just for the podcast yeah I got, I got told uh, I got told during the week that uh, if someone gave me money I'm more likely to go spend it on a fancy brunch at the weekend rather than going for pints on a Friday night <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you, yeah, you're at that stage of your life now. Yeah. Uh, what is what a stage to be at though? You know, honey, honey, ham, and sourdough. What more do you want, Westy? Uh, but yeah, there was some European Champions Cup rugby on, and that's what you're here to listen for, I think. Uh, so we can only start with one game and one game only, and that was the Munster to lose game in the Aviva Stadium. Thank, shout out to Ed Sheeran. Uh, Twenty four points each goes to extra time and goes to a kickoff. Um, I'll be honest, lads. Didn't know the rules of the kickoff when the, the time came. Did you guys know? I didn't know because they are different to the last time there was a penalty shootout where you were allowed, out, like forwards were taking them, they're straight from the post, almost like a kind of soccer penalty shootout. But now that this new rule, I think it, it benefits the kickers. But it, I think the, the viewers who finally managed to witness one in real life felt a little bit cheated, I'd say. I can only imagine the fans in the stadium were like, what the hell is going on? Because you know what? You've no idea when you're actually at a game what's going on. It, at least the TV commentators can give you a bit of a bailout. It was funny, though, because I know a couple of Leinster fans from uh, the Dublin area who were going to the game and who had like, put on Twitter their secret plan to how they were going to get to a bar quick enough to watch the Leinster game. And I was like, extra time and penalties. Are you fucking yeah, to your bar? <laughs> that's, that's karma right there. But uh, for, yeah, let's just, first of all, what an incredible day. The weather, like in fairness, Munster fans absolutely packed out the Aviva. The sound was incredible. It was like an international game with the atmosphere. And the rugby was also incredible. And shout out to Toulouse for coming into an away ground like that with that atmosphere and also producing the goods. It was it was, it was what we all love about rugby. It was a back and forth battle. It was physical. There was moments of magic. It was just amazing. Yeah, it was a really enjoyable game. I think Munster, just the last couple of weeks have really kind of started playing quite well. I don't know, is it the influx of younger players coming into the squad and get, being more prominent or is it since Van Grand decided or announced that he was going to leave and kind of just a, maybe a change in emphasis or was this always the plan throughout the season? But yeah, for for that to not be in tome and fair play to the Munster fans for being able to get on board. Fair play to Munster as well for making it affordable. I think the tickets, I don't know if they were in charge of ticket pricing, but it sounded like a great day because people were able to buy tickets and it was affordable to get to. There was buses put on, there's people traveled and there was a load, there's a load of Munster fans based in Dublin anyway. So the atmosphere looked class and, it, you know, I'd say bitterly or begrudgingly over here kind of going, oh Jesus, it did. It looked like a serious day out and the rugby on display was unbelievable. So I think you've got to kind of feel sorry for Munster in the end. They, 
you know, they, it was brilliant. And I think that they probably would have gotten over the line in Toman, but you can't really kind of fault them for the way that they went out of the game. Like it's, they, they took it to the very last, like further than anyone ever gets to. Uh, they took it so far and it just, just kind of pipped at the post then. Yeah, we'll get to Toulouse in a minute. I want to focus on Munster because they deserve all the credit in the world for that performance that day. Because um, Westy, it would have been fairly easy for months to be like, you know, it's been a, and it's weird to say a rough year where they're positioning on the table, but it hasn't been all, you know, candy and roses and sugar plums and all that. It's been a tough year in that sense. You're not at home. You have to go up to Dublin. Your fans have to go up to Dublin. It would have been easy to kind of mail this one in or at least not give 110%, but in fairness to them, they absolutely did, didn't they? Yeah, I say, like, it would have kind of been easy to, you know, even, like, say, from a fan's perspective, like, oh, like, the season's been bad, like, the game is up in Dublin, like, you know, I'm not arsed going and supporting, but, like, credit where credit's due to the Munster fans, like, turning the Aviva Red, like, it looked so good on TV. I say that, you know, you hear the, the crowd, like, it was a fantastic atmosphere, and, and the lads really fronted up, like, part of me does think that it's kind of, it's part of their plan for the season, you know, they... Um, maybe played slightly more conservative early on and now they have a little bit more of a free reign um, but yeah credit with credit she was such a big occasion and look you say credit with credit you and it would be easy for them to, to fade off or to cry afterwards again but like these are the days that Munster live for like as much as it pains me to say it like it, they, they are the best at it in the country they are the best when their backs are against the wall when there is a bit of adversity and I do count having to move the stadium to Dublin as a little bit of adversity in fairness like it is something they had to overcome and Something that they had to navigate, you know, they earned a home uh, a home quarter final and they, they didn't get to play it. Um, so yeah, like I, I think I think Munster thrive under that though. And I think we definitely saw that. I saw people tweet after the game that like Munster have kind of proven that they still belong at the top table of rugby. And you know, as I say, I, I say it pains me to say it, but I just mean it pains me to say it because you know, like as good as I think Connacht are, it's just not a mentality we've fully gotten on board with yet. Um but it's just so impressive to see Munster, um, I say, go right up to the wire. As Sam said, go further than any team has gone all year. Um, to go to penalty, I, I haven't seen a penalty. I actually think I've ever seen a penalty shot in kicks. And I personally, I really liked the way it was done. I thought it would be good that the kicks were set out beforehand. And even the ref was like, no, no, it's right from the cross. You have to be from the right space. And that, the, um, that they had different kickers that had to take each kick. I did like that, although it wasn't necessarily forwards going up and taking kicks, it wasn't that uh that deep going back, um that it was there was a good diversity of people taking the kick yeah but we were all cheated we were all cheated out of seeing peter mahoney get up and uh, yeah i was gonna say i'd love to see that or tiger burn definitely would slot one from like 50 no problem at all uh but no you're right westy 100 though i will push back on the adversity of the home ground because you know that's their absolutely own doing they, they didn't have to sign Ed Sheeran to go. I know why they did it, but I'm just saying. They, but that that actually would be the ultimate monster move to like intentionally book yeah. the venue out. Oh. So they're like, oh, look, what know, we have to it's, overcome. It's secretly a genius move because not only have they got the revenue from Ed Sheeran playing at Tobin, they've got a revenue from a, well, not a sold out of Viva Stadium, but a pretty well sold stadium. The Michael Jordan. And I took that shit personally. It's like, you made it up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah exactly I love it that's genius uh, but yeah Sam West can't touch on it like Munster showed, showed us what they are well we all knew they were capable of we haven't really showed especially the start of the year and sort of midway through the season that they have the players they have the system they, ha- they have the potential to play this kind of brand of rugby that puts it up to the reigning European champions and one of the best teams in the world in Toulouse who's uh, you know an incredible team themselves which we will get to um, 
like next season going forward with the announcement of Mike Prendergast coming over as one of the coaches, you know, get the Van Grans leaving. It's a new leaf in the terms of Munster's uh, book next year. The, the youngsters that were play, like Alex Candelan at the weekend was fantastic, and he even has that like unnecessary bullshit that he, like he pushed one of the Toulouse try scorers after the try for absolutely no reason. And I was like, oh, you're a perfect Munster forward. Like this is you're just already designed for this stuff. But they have the players, they have the talent there. Like Munster next year, the Munster fans have to be incredibly optimistic. I think the Munster fans definitely be very optimistic, but I don't personally think it's going to be as seamless a transition as they seem to. Like, I think I know Roundtree's in the, the coaching ticket already, and Prendergast coming in is definitely a positive move. Like, you see what Rassing have done in the last couple of years under him, uh, especially the backs and the, the kind of attack play. But I think, like, you know, a changing of the guard and a changing of emphasis, a, a coach who's a settler's Roundtree in his role, moving roles, it's not as easy as you think. You know, like, Friendy moved up in Connacht, and people have said, like, you know, it is a transition period, and I think that that will happen. It'll definitely have some highs. I think the new coach bounce will happen, but I think that there'll be some sort of lull as well while they kind of get used to new systems, unless Roundtree wants to continue on with whatever system they're playing at the moment. But then... You know, in my mind, what was the what would be the point in changing that? Or like, I know Van Grand walked, but I think that yeah, I think that is positive. It's positive for them, but I don't think it's going to be as instantaneous as you know it seems right now because they're finishing the season playing quite a, a good brand of rugby. It's still under Van Grand and his coaching ticket right now with players like Jenkins in the squad that aren't going to be there next year. So I think that they will have a transition period uh, next year. It mightn't be as up and down as Connacht's won this season or in the last couple of years, but I think that they will, you know, it's, it's been a good while since they've had stability in uh, Munster. And I think that they'll need to grow and I think that their fans want to try and keep that in mind when it doesn't go as swimmingly instantly as maybe they hope it will. So, you know, it's, it's once you back the coaches and give them time, that's when you'll see the fruits of it coming out. It might not be next year or the year after, but you want to kind of build with Roundtree. It's weird, like after I know it's after a loss uh, in a heartbreaking fashion, but like the positivity around the club at the moment is at an all-time high, especially with this season. Um, it must be just fantastic to to have a bit of positive juju about the place. Um, Van Gran came out pretty well at the end of it, didn't he? He was emotional. It was probably the most human he seemed in the past six months. He seems to, you know, he tried to really deflect everything, and I think eventually emotions kind of got the better of him on the day and uh, towards the end. I'm sure, you know, I think the, the Munster fans probably were felt a lot closer to him after that uh, loss, and, you know, a lot of the wins have had the last couple of months. But, uh, Westy, we'll turn our efforts to Toulouse before we get to the kicks. This Toulouse team are are mental, aren't they? They, like, Ulster should have bet them. You know, they didn't, they didn't play very well against Ulster. In patches, they didn't play very well against Munster uh, at the weekend, and yet here they are in the semi-final going up against Leinster uh, in the Champions Cup. They're just a ridiculous team that you can never... You're never too far ahead of Toulouse, are you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's also pretty funny that they will literally knock to the Irish provinces on their way to the final um, if they beat Leinster. Um, but I think the beauty of the way they play, and, and, and it comes from having players like Dupont and Ramos and, uh, and Entomac, to, to name just a few, is their ability to create anything. Like they will literally go from dropping passes to picking up a loose ball and making you look very silly. Um, so I think that's their real threat. Like they're, they're okay with mistakes. They're okay with things not coming off in their game plan because they know that individuals are good enough to create to create chances when there's a half gap there. Um, I think it's pretty terrifying as well. As you say, like they, they probably shouldn't have beaten Ulster. They, you know, they weren't great for... 70 minutes in France and then managed to get two back in the last 10 minutes. And then 
a very unfortunate incident, a red card to Ulster really gave them the platform to come back into it. Um, and but one thing I would say is that they, they have the bottle and then some. Like they, as as much as they were relieved when the kicks went over, um, they were cool as they come when it when it went to penalties. They were, you know, they slotted them over. There was rarely any kind of a question of whether a ball wasn't going to go right through the middle of the sticks. Um, but yeah, I think it sets up a fantastic semi-final and even a, potentially a fantastic final. You know, we've got, um, well, it's it's three French teams and an Irish team, but um, it sets up a great platform for Leinster. You know, if they want to get the final, if they take down the champions and, you know, it, it'll give Toulouse almost a clean sweep but the Irish provinces on their way there. Can we as college fans take uh, joy that Toulouse wouldn't have bet us? Yes, yes, of course we can. Yeah, I think that makes us better than the rest of them, right? Yeah. Nice one. We have our we have our, our way in, boys. I love it. Uh, let's get to the kicks, boys. Obviously, a lot of people aren't happy that this is the way it's decided. I personally think it's fun. I think it's, I'm sure as a, as a fan of one of these teams, you would have been absolutely shitting yourself. But as a neutral, I think that's fantastic. It's very rare that it happens. So I think that's fine. If it was happening every year, it'd be obviously a bit different. But yeah, I want to touch on what you said, Westy. Toulouse were so calm. And I want to highlight DuPont because maybe you guys know more. He doesn't do much kicking, right? He, he doesn't kick for club or country. Well, he I mean, he kicks a little bit in play, but I've never seen it. I don't think I've oh, ever yeah, seen I'm saying like off the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was just slotting them for fun. Like, this guy is unflappable. I even seen someone on Twitter like, he, he he turns away before the ball goes through the post and it's like, you know, cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> like, it's just like DuPont just doesn't give a, He's like, oh, I just want to go home with this day. I want to go home and probably, you know, have a cigarette and drink a, some vodka or something. Like, he's just chilled. Uh, he just doesn't give a crap. And they were... And, like, this is not at home. This is an away game, away territory. Like, Sam, these boys are unflappable. Yeah, I think this... It's funny, like, and you're not going to thank me for saying it, but there's a bit of a kind of parallel between themselves and Real Madrid at the moment who just, like, they have an affinity with the competition they're in. Like, Madrid were dead and buried there the last day and then managed to win two goals in the last two minutes and then a penalty straight into extra time. And the same with these. Like, they, they have an affinity with this competition. They believe it themselves, kind of, all of the what's come before them kind of they you know you start to believe your own hype and you just i think you have this kind of attitude where it's just never over and you saw that in the ulster game and you see it in this and then when it gets to penalties i think that genuinely that french kind of mentality of just being quite chilled and cool about everything i think you know stood to them and they just went you know take our kicks and you saw that in dupont it was like it was epitomized in the way he just turned around the way he was just able to take them kicks and was absolutely fine you know in what was a deafening atmosphere you know it was a big big stadium bigger than Toman would have been like wasn't full but it was close to and you know it was a it just I think the Leinster game is going to be huge against them because Leinster are unbelievable as well and I don't think they got a second gear we'll chat about that game in a second but the uh the kind of the, the history both teams have the fact that neither team believes that they can lose I think it's just it's setting itself up really well yeah, absolutely. Um, Westy will touch on Munster. I think the only kick that they will regret is Healy's first one. I think just because we all know how good he is off the tee and he just snatches at it and it's unfortunate. The second one is a tough kick and the pressure was very much on. Uh, will they have regrets, Westy? Is that fair? I'm not obviously would never say it's Healy's fault, but um, what did you, how do you view that? Um, I look at I mean like poor Ben Healy would probably be kicking himself for it all even and he'll be good at it, you know you'll definitely feel having missed two kicks that it's your fault and I, I I think that's very harsh on him because 
it's definitely not a situation anybody trained for. You know, you, you, this isn't something you guys are doing in training during a week, or just in case it goes to something that hasn't happened in 10 years. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be disappointed. Like, But I think, is, is it is it the perfect way to decide a game? Probably not, but I think it's very dramatic. I think it's a very interesting way to see it. Again, as Sam said, it happens so rarely. Um, they may be kicking themselves a little bit that they weren't able to... Uh, It'd be more maybe the drop goal before the end of the second half of extra that they'd be kicking themselves for, or that they weren't able to take some of the chances that, that I'm they sorry, had. Wesley, but you keep saying kicking themselves, and I've been biting my tongue, but I have to say, at least they might hit the target. <laughs> there was there was so there was so many potential there. Yeah, uh, if he's kicking himself, he might miss. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. And I don't want to do it. No, but, but you kept saying it. That, it's just uh, it's like two or three times. But eventually, I had to. Like, I had but I'm sorry, I was trying not to pile on Ben Healy. But if you guys want to want to kick a man when he's down and hit him, then then it's a target. Would, he, <laughs> would he hit? Would he hit himself? Though um, that's the question. But yeah, like it's a heartbreaking. Way, it's a heartbreaking way to finish. Of course it is. And you look back and think like, yeah, you know, what could have been, but. I really just think, like, what more could you have given on the day? You know, like, it was, you gave everything you could for, what was it, 110 minutes or whatever, but which rugby was played in the end. I don't know if you want to count the time and take, to take the kicks as time played. But uh, yeah, look, at, they learn from the experience. It's not an experience I'll have to repeat very often, but um, a very, very, a very heartbreaking way to go out. But I mean, they, they played, they had a great day of rugby, really, I think, um, and just fell short a little bit at the end. Yeah, I think they they will they'll build on that and they'll they'll be better for it next year. I do fear months next year big time. But with that said, and before we get to the Leinster game, uh, Sam Munster, as I said, next year will probably be fancying themselves with competition. But we find out that the three of the South African teams in the URC will also be in this competition with the Bulls, Sharks, and Stormers. Uh, as if this competition wasn't already hard enough to win, you now had three of those teams in, which is. Uh, this competition is absolutely going to be a juggernaut to win. Yeah, I think it was kind of it was fairly well understood up until now that they would be in it. But I think with the Challenge Cup results yesterday, it completely confirmed it because Edinburgh and Glasgow lost. So uh, I think now you've got uh, you've got the case where the three South African three of the four South African teams are going to be in it, which is ironic because Leinster pundits and fans were telling us last year that they needed South African teams in the league so that they could go on and then win the Champions or the Champions Cup you know they needed that competition and it's uh, it's gotten to a stage now where they're going to be competing with the South African teams to win the competition and it's going to be very interesting how beneficial for the French teams it'll be to get some more regular game time against the South African teams I think the introduction of them this season has been brilliant I think it's been successful I think it was getting some unnecessary flack at the start and people were just forgetting or neglecting the fact that the South African internationals weren't there They'd come off the back of a Lions tour. The teams were traveling for six, seven weeks. They were in the middle of a lockdown at home. And I think everyone was going, oh, geez, what are they adding to it? But since the away trips for the Northern Hemisphere teams down there have kind of evened it out, it's, you've seen, you've seen it been brilliant. And I think with, you know, with South Africa opening, it'll begin to grow further and further. And it'd be very interesting to see how well they do in the Champions Cup next year. You know, they'll be I don't know what they're going to do about the Curry Cup because they already have the, the two fronts. They already have the league and the Curry Cup. So I don't know if they're going to change Curry Cup. I think Blues had two separate squads for it. So you might see that happening for all of them. But uh, to see like Toulouse going down to Cape Town for a match in the Cha- uh, Champions Cup, is uh, that's going to be interesting. It's going to make for some more more good rugby early on in the season as well. Yeah, I think it's the, the, the really one really interesting point for me is that 
they managed to go through the first half of the season losing nearly all of their games and then still managed to get to the top of the table. So it's almost kind of worrying to see um, what they can do when given the opportunity. You know, if they were able to travel with their full squads in the Northern Hemisphere, would we have seen a few more results go a few ways? Only two teams have won down there. Um, but as well, as, as Sam said, yeah, like they'll have three fronts now to compete on. They had kind of separate squads for the Curry Cup and the, and the, uh, and the uh, URC. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they spread their squads now because there's three fronts that they want to fight on. And, you know, we can say, oh, the Curry Cup is kind of a domestic competition. They won't care about that. They will. That's a massive competition in South Africa. And we've seen time and time again Springbok players playing in that competition. Um, so it'll be so interesting to see how they manage that. You know, will they go all guns blazing for the Heineken Cup or will they be focused at the, for the European Cup or will they just try to focus on maintaining their qualification for next year? Um, it's new territory for them. So it's really interesting to see um, if they're able to... Like, we already have seen a lot of South African players going back to South Africa for next season. So I think it's going to be... I think not only will the URC get more competitive, it'll be so interesting to see how they approach the uh, the European Championship. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll move on to the Leinster game. Uh, Leinster winning out in uh, England against Leicester Tigers, uh, 23 points, 14 uh, impressive, impressive performance. Sam, you already kind of touched on this, how impressive it was. Uh, what did you make of this game and this performance? I thought it was not... It, it, for, for a kind of neutral fan, uh, it wasn't the best game because Leinster really didn't get out of second gear. They, they, they came out the blocks in the first half and put up a score. Uh, not that they were kind of... You know, it's hard to tell whether or not they were on fire or Leicester just weren't out of the dressing room yet, but they put up the score in the first half. And then the second half, they kind of just allowed Leicester to do whatever Leicester wanted and were confident in their own defense. I think Leicester had four or five good trips to the 22 that nothing came of. And I was kind of just as a neutral fan going, come on, please just get a try now and just, just get the game a bit more exciting because Leicester really didn't need to push on at all in the second half. And I think when Nandolo got held up, I kind of went just like, it looked like a lack of belief. You know, he, he approached the try line backwards and I was like, you're the biggest man on that rugby pitch. You should be approaching the try line with five of them hanging off you. So, you know, Jimmy O'Brien's holding yeah. him up and you're like, that's a mismatch. Yeah, they <laughs> should be facing forward for that one. There were some excellent Leinster performances, but I really don't think that they gave anything away. And I think that it was for them ideal preparation for uh, next week because, you know, it, it's Toulouse are coming off the back of a big slog there and then Leinster have the opportunity now. You know, they, they had not the most taxing of games and they played an opponent that probably suits their game plan to the ground because Leinster love having the ball and Leicester look like they don't really want the ball at all. It was the same when Connacht played Leicester earlier in the season. Leicester came back into the game and won the game as soon as they started running with the ball. Like the game was so even and Connacht were ahead then when Leicester were doing their kick and trying to compete sort of game and then win at, win at the scrum time. But as soon as Leicester started running against Connacht, they just decimated us and Leinster just, they we're happy to receive as many kicks as possible. They were happy to kind of let, like, have the ball and play. And Leicester were, you know, their game plan just didn't really do anything. I don't think it caught Len- Leinster off guard. And I think that uh, it wasn't, you know, Leinster won't feel like that they were overly pushed or overly exerted to try and get through the round. So for them, that's win win. You know, that's happy days. Yeah, watching this game myself, and I was just, they're just, Leinster are just so well coached, well prepared. There's nothing that, there's nothing that scares them. Nothing uh, shocks them. There, there, anything that comes, they just deal with it. They're just incredible team to watch and, and and look at. And it seems the teams that play them, it's it's almost like when Connacht plays someone uh, a big team like even like Leinster, 
they make decisions that they wouldn't do against a normal team. Like they make silly mistakes. Like there was when Le- when Leicester had that kind of proper patch in the first uh, 10, 15 minutes of that second half. You know, they made silly mistakes. They didn't take their points. You know, to get back into the game, they went for a corner. There was a one that uh, I can't remember his name. He picked it. He pick and go from a penalty. A tap, tap and go. Uh, he gets isolated, turns the ball over, and you're like, if I guarantee you, if that if they were playing a Connacht or something like that, they wouldn't have made that mistake. It's almost like they're beating themselves because it's Leinster. Is that fair to say, Westy? Are Leinster just that good that they make these teams make silly mistakes they wouldn't normally make? Yeah, and I think you know. Leicester definitely looked so disjointed in attack, especially for that first maybe half an hour of the game, let's say. Um, I think maybe part of it is there's definitely an air of Leinster, right? You know, they're, they're such a successful team in Europe. It, it is, you know, nine-tenths of the Ireland team that you're playing against, really. Um, but I think what's, you know, we can say that Leinster didn't give a lot away, but I think what really puts pressure on teams, Leinster's line speed and defence is so strong. Like, you take your eyes off... You look at the ball and say that attack coming at you, and the next time you look up, got Andrew Porter in your face. So it's um it's a very difficult position to be in. So I think what's really helping Leinster build on Europe without giving too much away is just how strong the defense is, just how comfortable they are playing in any part of the pitch. If they're camped inside your 22, they kind of know they're going to score a try. If you are camped on their five meter line, like it's it's by no means a foregone conclusion. Sam said it earlier, you had Nondolo f- trying to fall backwards over the line for some bizarre reason. When, if he had put his head down and ran forward, no one's stopping him. Um, so I think the, the, the organisation and the kind of grit and determination of the Leinster defence, um, also like, the, you know, I can't help but mention their set piece, you know, like first try off the back of a line out, their scrum was pretty solid for most of the day, although some of the refereeing on the scrum was a little bit bizarre. It's kind of the, the most I've ever heard commentators mention that the assistance flag is up for a scrum, but the referee kind of ignores it. So I don't know, don't know the ins and outs, but not going to try and decode that. But I just thought it was an interesting point. But yeah, Leinster's ability to play in any part of the pitch is is terrifying, you know. And I think, as Sam said, they've kept their cards close to their chest in a lot of these games. But the reason they're able to do that is because their defense is so, so intimidating. It's funny, like, because I, I just spoke about how Leinster accepted all the kicks from Leicester and, you know, the, Leinster liked to play the ball. And then I looked up the stats just there while Wes was talking and actually they kicked more than Leicester did. But I think that they're just smarter with their kicks. Leicester kicked 23 times to Leinster's 26. Uh, Leicester carried it 90 times to Leinster's 82. But Leicester had 294 metres to Leinster's 324. So they were just so, so kind of smart with the ball and so productive with the ball. Uh, it actually seemed like they were getting the ball kicked to them more than they were kicking away, but they're so productive and they're so, they're just, they, they have the opportunity, they have uh, the ability to just decimate you with the ball. So it's, uh, yeah, I think that really they weren't tested too much. I don't think that the game plan really, the Leicester game plan really works. And like you said, a few, few too many mistakes, but we'll see how they get on now next week and in the rest of this uh, competition. Yeah, we'll look ahead to the semi-finals to kind of wrap things up. Leinster play Toulouse and Racing uh, are at home to La Rochelle. Uh, Westy, is this Leinster's best opportunity to win in a couple of years? I know La Rochelle are the team that bet them out last year, but they still have to beat Racing 92 to even uh, you know, potentially play Leinster if they get past Toulouse. You have no Saracens who are you know kind of Leinster kryptonite the last couple of years. Um, is it their best chance to add their, their fifth star on that obnoxious crest? Um, I think it probably is, yeah. I mean... Look, you can you can point to um, to lose not playing great rugby and getting through. But at the end of the day, they're doing enough to get through, right? Um, 
So they are still a, a huge opponent to face, but I do think that the the kind of intensity of the last couple of weeks is going to be a tough thing for them to overcome. You know, like that that extra that two halves of extra time and the kicking that that's going to have taken their toll on the bulk of their squad. So they are going to kind of uh, I don't want to say win the the freshness battle, but like they are going to have that kind of that bit of extra kind of oh you know. That little bit of extra kind of rest, I suppose, during the week, for lack of a better term. Let's call um, them the Febreze brothers. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Sam. Um, but as well, I think that on the other side of that coin as well, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take away from saying it's easy for Leinster at all, but I think Rassing La Rochelle is going to be a massive Congress on your side as well. So um, I think it's setting up for, for a great final. And, you know, if Leinster play their cards right, if they play their game plan right, you know, they should be able to hold something back for that final game, you know? And I think they're well capable of that. Um, it just depends, you know, you really can't write to lose off. As I said, like their ability to to score against the runner play, to go from looking very pedestrian to running in two tries in quick succession is, is really scary. But Leinster are poised pretty well. As far as I know, I haven't heard anything on injuries from the game yesterday, but they should have a full squad available or, or close to a full squad available. Um and yeah, I, th- I think as I said, as we've said earlier, they've kept their cards close to their chest. They have kind of, they haven't shown a lot of their game plan. They haven't had to really, but we know that there's more in the chamber from Leinster. So um, I think they'll be slightly backing themselves a little bit for, for the uh, Toulouse game. Um, and from there, yeah, I, I think Racing were also terrifying um, against Sale in the same ability. When they switched it on, they scored some insane tries like Teddy Toma, dropping the ball and managing to kick it in midair and Finn Russell like catching a ball on a volley like he's playing five aside with the lads and running and you know and, and it resulting in a try like it's just um I, I think they'll be I think that'll be more difficult maybe for La Rochelle to get through I don't know exactly what their history is but um yeah I think yeah I think it's probably Leicester's best chance I think they might have a chance to catch Toulouse a little bit uh, a little bit down on, on the lower crest of a wave from the last couple of weeks but um, it's by no means going to be an easy feat. Yeah, Sam, what, what do you think? Do you think that's fair? Do you think it's... Uh, it's like Leinster, as you said, didn't get a second gear and like Leicester Tigers are not a bad team. They're one of the best teams in England, if not the best team in England. And they, as you said, made it look pretty comfortable. Um, is there an issue of Toulouse were in an incredibly intense, or a tense game where you know everything was on full speed? Leinster not necessarily in, in that boat. It will be a case of maybe Leinster coming in a bit undercooked as well. It's hard to tell. I'm more intrigued as to whether or not Toulouse bothered going home uh, for the week or did they just stay around Dublin and just train in Dublin. I'm sure they did go home. But no, I think, uh, yeah, you could look at it like Leinster were given a little bit of a rest, you know, even after a lot of their lads were not in South Africa as well. So they're already fairly rested and recovered and might be unbelievable for their kind of rehab or their prehab going into the end of the season to have that big break and then to not be overly exerted against Leicester. But then you could also say they could be going in undercooked and, one of the issues that Leinster fan media fans and pundits have had with the previous incarnations of the URC is that it didn't prepare them enough for these big French teams or these big English teams in Europe. So, you know, potentially going into a game like this undercooked is not what they want. They'd want to be fit and firing, but I don't know. I don't think that they'll have any issue getting up for it. And I think Toulouse will probably feel quite sore after that monster game. They were let know they were in a game. They played every single possible minute of the game, like more minutes than anyone could have even imagined. So I think it'll be very hard for Toulouse going to the Aviva. It's going to be packed as well with Leinster fans. It'll be a huge day for them. I think it'll be really, really tough for 
Toulouse. And I think there's a great opportunity for Leinster to get past them now at this stage. And then, you know, be it Rassinger, be it uh, La, La Rochelle in the final, it'll be, if they do get through, I think it'll be a huge event. And the only thing that they might fall down on is the same issue they had last year, which is, you know, they're not as bulky as some of these French teams up front. And I think it was uh, Owen Harrison said it before Connacht were playing Leinster. He said the, like when, before Connacht played Leinster in the, Aviva, but after they played them in the sports ground and they did quite well, they said, look, when you go at their set piece, you go at their lineup and you go at their scrum, it's that's how you get a Leinster and that's how you, you stop them getting on top. And that's what these French teams will do. So it'll be a big ask for them in this semi-final. And then on the final, if they get to it, uh, they're all they're they're all stacked with huge men and big ball playing forward packs. So it'll be really interesting. But I think, yeah, I think it'll be too tough for Toulouse to kind of recover as quickly as Leinster after the, the game they went through and to go away again to the Aviva, which will just be hopping. I think uh, I think Leinster will win. I think, you know, I don't want to speak, you know, ahead of like or speak ill of Toulouse, but I think that because of the circumstances, I think Leinster probably win comfortably enough. Like I think it'll be over a score in the difference. That's that's a ballsy prediction. Wesley, do you want to give predictions for the semi-finals? Yeah, I uh, I think I go, I think I agree. I think I do look like Sam touched on, you know, that we mentioned that Leinster wanted the South African teams to have to prepare for the Highland Cup, and maybe Sam already made the point, but then they, they, they don't send their best team down to South Africa to prepare them for the Heineken Cup, you know, it's okay. That's interesting logic that you have there. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think there's no secret that this is Leinster's main focus. And the one thing that I would, would concern me is that the French teams are more and best in the top 14. Uh, also, you know, as I said earlier about Toulouse coming down off the crest of a wave, Leinster might catch them. Um, so I, I think a Leinster. I think it's looking. I didn't. I don't know La Rochelle as well. I don't. I don't see as much of them. But I think I'd be thinking to myself it would be a, a Leinster Racing final at the minute. Just the La Rochelle Racing one be interesting now with uh, Prendergast moving to Munster and Raj in charge of La Rochelle. There's a, there's some good little backstories there with a niggle as well. So it'd be an interesting one. Uh, we see how it pans out, but uh, I think uh, I think whatever final it is, any any iteration of any of these teams in the final is going to be class. Uh, the only downside to the final, or maybe it's an upside. I don't know. It's the same day as the Champions League final, uh, so Liverpool will be in the Champions League final as well. Sam, no one cares. Absolutely zero people care ah, about what the Champions League percentage final. Percentage of our listenership also likes soccer. Uh, yeah. Maybe my, I know my my brother-in-law Niall. Uh, if he is listening this far, I don't know if he is, but he's a huge Liverpool fan, so he will be. And so are, he's brainwashed my poor nephews, uh, his sons, into also being uh, Liverpool. It is easier so to brainwash family. kids into being Liverpool supporters now. I had to do it during the nineties, uh, which was not easy. And United, United were unbearable. The United fans, so I never let them live it down. Yeah, my three-year-old uh, nephew is going around shouting Trent Alexander-Arnold all the time. So, um, but yeah, I, I think you made a good point, though, Sam. Any iteration of the semi-finals, it's going to be a cracking game. Uh, I think I'd like to see Leinster La Rochelle again, um, just to see if Leinster can solve that puzzle or you know do do what they need to do to get over that because that's the big question we've always had with Leinster: is can they overcome that physical pack that always seems to stop them, whether it be Saracens or La Rochelle? So. Um, I'd like to see that, but then also equally happy to see Toulouse Racing as well go at it in the most weirdest game of rugby where no one plays well, but it's forty-five points to forty-two points somehow. Uh, it's just going to be madness. But and if it goes, uh, looking forward to if it goes to uh, penalties, there you have to have Finn Russell and Dupont just take all of them. 
Finn Russell like walks up to the with like a, a Heineken bottle and puts it down as he kicks it and then just picks it back up again as he walks off. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that this weekend. I hope everyone enjoys this weekend of rugby. Uh, we'll wrap it up there as always. We'll be back next weekend to cover all that. Uh, we appreciate you listening as always. Boys, appreciate it. Have a good week. Thanks, guys. Bye.